0: God, Irish Nation, we are back with our first two-show week as we preview the USC game coming up. Notre Dame flies out to Southern California in Mike's backyard. Mike, how excited are you for Notre Dame to be traveling to not only your home state but right there in your backyard in L.A.?
1: Yeah, I'm excited. So as we're recording this, I haven't flown out. I'm actually spending Thanksgiving in Ohio, but then I'm going to be back in L.A. early on Saturday. So I'm thinking I can actually make the game. This year has been... Quite, uh, quite a whirlwind in a good way. It's been a bunch of good things. I got married, honeymoon, recently moved into a new house. So a lot of good things have been happening, but I haven't actually, it's the one year I haven't actually been able to go to a game. So I'm hoping I can actually go to this. So really excited. This, the weather in LA is typically really good. Although the last time I went to a Notre Dame USC game, it was in 2016. Um, Notre Dame USC game in the Coliseum. I've been to Notre Dame USC games since then at Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. but in 2016, it was a total, it was a total hurricane. It was like, Forty degrees, which maybe that, that doesn't sound that bad to, to people who are um, who are uh, living in the Midwest, but to me, I was pretty soft at that point. So anything that wasn't seventy-four degrees felt pretty bad. Um, and we also got blown out, so that didn't help too. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this is like this is an exclamation point that we put on the turnaround that we had this season. We go in, we beat another top team in the country; it's a rival, and then we also get to just destroy their playoff hopes. So. Bit of a whiny answer, but uh, short answer is I'm really excited. Um, I'm also going to bring back to an announcement that we made in our last show, and that's that we we, we joined the 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 Game Podcast Network. So it's a sponsorship that we have now. We're really excited about it. And then with that, we're also doing uh, a new format that Brett alluded to with our show. So we're not changing the segments that we're doing. We're doing the same segments, sa- roughly the same amount of time each week. Uh, in terms of total content, but we're dividing it up into multiple episodes. We think that it's going to be better for engagement with our listeners. We think it's easier to consume.
0: Mike, I I think you are getting soft. I I just looked up the weather. It did rain. It was pouring rain. I'll give it to you there. The low temperature in that 26 game, uh, 2016 game was 53 degrees, but on the more important things, I I (laughs) love the internet. I could
1: (laughs) 53 in LA. That's like freezing. That's like negative 30 in uh, sleepy eye, Minnesota. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there you go. Shout out to my hometown of Sleepyout, Minnesota. So, um, but yeah, we're really excited to be a part of the Pigs Inn Podcast Network. It's a great collection of, of both college and NFL shows. It's, it's also bringing sponsorship and, and some growth and, and awareness to our show. And even more importantly, um, please like us, follow us, rate us, uh, whether you're on Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, Geirish Talk is there. Please spread the word to friends and family as, as we continue to grow our show. So with that, we've got two segments today, the USC preview and then what we're going to refer to as a volatility index, um, where, where we look at how a team performs against the spread, both good and bad. Did you outperform expectations or underperform expectations? Our hypothesis going in was that Notre Dame is one of the most volatile teams. We've, we've lost a, Marshall is a huge favorite and Stanford is a huge favorite, but we also, Blew out Boston College and Clemson and Syracuse by margins that were bigger than expected. So how does that all play together? How does that compare to other teams? Do we just kind of have fan bias about our own program? We're going to dive into all that at the end of the show. But let's first dive off with USC. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. That's my go-to when betting on football this holiday season. Same game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player prop options. All your betting needs in one app.
1: Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check it out now. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays.
0: Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props on your favorite players, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost you get, the bigger shot you have to win big.
1: Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code T-P-P-N. That's T-P-P-N. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code T-P-P-N, minimum minimum age of 21, and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
0: Remember, you get the best mileage home by not driving tank. Notre Dame flies out to the Coliseum to take on USC with one of the most prolific offenses in college football, ranking number two in SP plus offensive efficiency. Really the entire, you know, preview, what you need to know about this USC team is their offense. They've scored 40 plus points in nine of 11 games, including five straight. Lincoln Riley really has this program humming. There's a knock on strength of schedule, and do they have a leaky defense? We'll get to both of those first, but Mike, I really think this begins with their offense.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, well, I'll just recall in the season preview just all of the offseason changes for USC. So basically, Lincoln Riley was coaching at Oklahoma, blue blood program. Shockingly, went to another high profile high profile program in USC. And not only did he go there, but he also brought his QB, Caleb Williams with him. And on top of that, he brought in the best wide receiver in the country last year in Jordan Addison. So you, you bring those two elements together and you know the passing gate, passing game is going to be extremely effective right out of the gate. Now a concern was that there were a lot of transfers out and they actually only had 10 commits in their first recruiting class. The defense was already a mess to begin with. And so far this year, that's, that's mostly held true. They're number 64 in, in efficiency per SP plus. So below average. Certainly for a P5, from a P5 standpoint, they, they kind of stink, honestly. Um, but the big surprise to us has been how effective they've been at running the ball, uh, moving more to the offensive side of the ball. So this offensive line was not very good last year. They improved a bit as the season went on. Uh, but ND generally controlled the game wire to wire, particularly in the trenches, and we won 31-16. to 16. And I know in the preview at the beginning of the year, when we were talking about their offense, I think we said that we expected their offensive line to be average, but right now they're ranking number, th- number, uh, number three in the country in line yards, and, which is, which is excep- exceptional. And they're, they're commonly cited this year as one of the best offensive lines in all of college football. The running game has really taken off. Not a surprise if your offensive line is performing well. Your running game is probably going to be right there with it. Travis Dye has uh, 900 yards. He transferred from Oregon. Two others have nearly 500 yards. Dye is getting nearly six yards a carry. Not quite Reggie Bush numbers. I want to say Reggie Bush in his Heisman Trophy season. I want to say he was at eight or nine, six yards per carry. That's, that's really high.
0: Yeah. We were long-term thinking Lincoln Riley was going to be a really great fit at USC. Mm-hmm. We knew he was bringing in a lot of talent. And I think we thought the passing game would be there. I thought we, we thought the defense would kind of stink. And to your point, the running game has been the big surprise. So Lincoln Riley really getting this offense humming so quickly in year one of his tenure at USC is really impressive. And he's doing it with a Heisman candidate and Caleb Williams. And look, Handon Hooker, probably the favorite for the Heisman if you asked me a couple weeks ago. He just tore his ACL. He's still going to be in the conversation. He's, you know, really ultimately going to be playing in eleven of twelve games. Drake may put up a dud against Georgia Tech, plus some freshman bias probably working against him. Kind of feels like it's down to Caleb Williams and C.J. Stroud. And I I think it's probably leaning C.J. Stroud. But I say all that, Notre Dame's now played three of those four quarterbacks this year. In Drake May, Caleb Williams, and C.J. Stroud. Those four are my bets, at least, to be the, you know, candidates or finalists for the Heisman. And Williams is right there with these guys. He's number 11 overall in pro football focus grades for quarterbacks. He has 33 touchdowns. That's third in the country, just two behind C.J. Stroud. Highly accurate passer, uh, 75, 75% adjusted completion rate, is fourth. Um, two of the guys he trails are C.J. Stroud and Drake May. And he's only thrown three interceptions on the year, so an 11-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. Very accurate guy, mobile, elusive. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks easily right there with C.J. Stroud and Drake May. So another great challenge for Notre Dame's defense against elite quarterback play.
1: Yeah, it's just another great Lincoln Riley quarterback. It's it's pretty exceptional what he's been able to do at that position. Caleb Williams clearly clearly just has it. Uh, another element we already mentioned this a bit. I, I already talked about this some, but surrounded by weapons too. We, we talked about Die is uh, doing really well in the rushing game this year. Jordan Addison down a bit by his standards, fifteen hundred yards and uh, seventeen touchdowns a year ago, which are those are those are some eye popping stats. This year, seven hundred and sixty five yards and eight touchdowns this year. Uh, 51 catches on 67 targets or 76% completion, but they have balance. Five receivers have over 300 yards for context, Notre Dame, our passing game has been pretty shaky at times. We just have one in, 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 uh, in styles and styles has uh been a bit inconsistent so far this year. A lot of drop passes. So we're seeing what an offense with truly elite skill position players looks like with USC. Um, I don't know if they're the best offense that we faced. This, year. I, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. I think they probably they I think they are the best offense that we've we've faced this year. I mean, you, you talked about this a, a little bit already, Brett. But Drake May is a freshman, clearly not at the same level as, as Caleb Williams. BYU. We thought that was a game that we pegged as potentially uh, a team that would have a good offense, just like an experienced team. Maybe they don't have all the blue chip recruits, but they they're just a team that uh, relies on their their veteran leadership and, and, and gets the job done. Ohio State, they're clearly the best they, they're clearly the best case uh outside of USC for the, the best offense that we faced all year. But it was week one. I think Ohio State would I think they would admit that it wasn't their best game offensively. Jackson Smith, uh Najigba, he was hurt for most of the game, so that that also affected things. If you look at the if you look at the hard stats of the advanced stats, Ohio State is actually uh number four in S B plus. We already USC is higher, they're number two. So based on that, USC is actually per the advanced stats a better offense. And USC only – Yes. Tra- oh, go ahead, Brett.
0: No, I was just going to say, and you know, certainly like you mentioned the injuries. Who would I rather play right now, at least on offense, forget defense, Ohio State or USC? I'd rather play Ohio State because right now they're down their top two running backs. But if you said what two teams were perfectly healthy, um, I'd say probably Ohio State. But if you now think about like Tennessee's quarterback, Hannon Hooker is hurt, Ohio State is down their top two running backs and it's a little unclear if they'll be back for the Michigan game. USC is the healthiest elite offense out there. So at least when you look at the guys available to go on the field in November on the road, this is the toughest possible offensive matchup you could have. And so the question is, how does Notre Dame's defense match up against I guess, Notre Dame in our own right has a really good defense? And I think it's strength on strength um, where I think Notre Dame actually matches up pretty darn well. We talked about how UNC and BYU were dominant pass teams, but they were really one-dimensional in the past. And so we had this big question, could Cam Hart and Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison and Tariq Bracey and Clarence Lewis, could those guys kind of hold up if cornerback was our weakest position? Ohio State and Clemson, they were probably better examples of more balanced offenses that you know flourish when the pass game gets going, but really balanced with good run attacks too. That's what USC is now. They're a better version of what Clemson was. But even Ohio State, we held the 21 points in a hostile environment on the road. And so USC, definitely a pass-first team, but with a lot of balance. And so where they've been able to exploit teams is if they find a weakness, they will attack it again and again and again and again. And I think if you'd asked me about this matchup two months ago, how I would have felt that I would have said, gosh, Clarence Lewis isn't playing very well. There's true freshman and Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison behind them. Like other than Cam Hart, that's just kind of our weakest position group is, is in the secondary. They have proven us wrong time and time again. Benjamin Morrison has emerged as, as one of the best players on this team. And so I think, you know, Notre Dame can really match up well in this game. And to me, the one stat that I'm actually watching for the most is going to be Havoc. Uh, USC is fourth in havoc a lot. So Caleb Williams just doesn't take sacks. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's a big body. He's hard to break down. They really keep moving the chains forward and just don't have negative plays. Notre Dame's defense is 15th in generating disruptive havoc plays. So I think when USC has the ball, it's just a question, can we disrupt them? They will get their points. They are going to have explosive drives. Like Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison, and Travis, that they are going to get theirs. But can we do enough disruption, whether that's a turnover, whether it's a tackle for loss? Can we just keep them off schedule? But overall, I'd like this matchup for our defense, considering how good of an offense they're going up against.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's I think it's going to be a really interesting test. And I think I think it's a test that we could actually do really well. And I'm with you 100%. I think our secondary has certainly exceeded expectation. Benjamin Morrison, we, we've talked about this already, but... He uh, we didn't uh, the, the first show of the week, but has really come along. Is looks like a star in the making, and I think if we're fully healthy, I think Cam Hart's a little banged up. Brandon Joseph still, he's still. Tech- I think he's maybe he's probable now. I imagine both those guys are probably going to be good to go. But assuming, uh, assuming that they are good to go, I think that that uh, we should be in pretty good shape on the secondary. Now, moving to the other side of the ball, USC exceptional offense, maybe the best in the country right now. Just given. Considerations for injured players for other teams, but they're very mediocre on defense. And this this is something that we expected coming into this year. And this is something that's actually whereas we thought that their offense could be elite, and they have been elite. Um, although the surprise there was that the offensive line has done so well. The defense has pretty much been what we expected. We we thought that they would kind of be uh, a bad P five team when it comes to that at uh, average in the, in the entire scope of college football. And, uh, th- that's, that's, that's pretty much exactly where they're at. So they gave up 45 to UCLA, 35 to Cal, 37 to Arizona, 43 to Utah, uh, 34, 35, and importantly for, in terms of just recent performance, 35 or more in four of their last five. Moving to some of the important advanced stats, success rate's a really important one. They're 112th in success rate allowed. And for all of ND's offensive struggles, we're actually 27th in success rate. So, I think when it comes to this game, we should be able to expect Notre Dame to stay on schedule here. We should be able to continually get first downs, move the ball downfield. I feel pretty good about that, just based on how our, how our, uh, I guess I wouldn't call it, uh, I guess if we're ranked 27th, we could kind of, we, I don't know if I would call it a strength, but it's an area that we're, that we're at least like pretty solid at on the offensive side. And then moving into that a little bit more, USC is actually, uh, in terms of like why they're generating such a, or why they're, why they're giving up such a high success rate, they're, uh, they're 90th in line yards allowed. So again, this just kind of further hammers home that point that these are some matchups that are very favorable for us because our offensive line has really come along. We're getting, we've been getting really good push recently. Um, and based on how USC has done in the run game, I feel like we should be able to get a lot of push off the, on the offensive line, set up our running backs for a really good day in the office and, and really get a high success rate here. I think we can get some long drives here. We can chew up a lot of clock. I think that also plays well for our defense. You want to keep in a game, when you're playing a team like USC, you want to give your your defense as much of a break as possible because USC, they could just totally wear them out if you just keep giving the ball back to them. For
0: sure. There's a couple guys worth calling out on this USC defense. Again, overall, kind of a mediocre unit. And they're obviously so star-studded on offense, but they've got two guys on defense that really have played some great football and, and are going to be all Pac-12, possibly all-American. Makai Blackman, he's a shutdown corner. Um, we've said this a few times on other games. That's okay for Notre Dame. Like, if he wants to go and shut down Braden Lindsey, it doesn't take away that much from our offense. Um, and then Tui Tule, Tupulotu, apologies if I mispronounce your name, He's got 11 sacks on the year, a very disruptive player um, on the edge. And so, you know, that's a big matchup. Can Blake Fisher uh, hold him down? Can Joe Alt hold him down? Um, if if he starts getting disruptive and and where we are trying to find some balance on our offense, if, if he's living in the backfield with Drew Pine, um, he, he's a potential disruptive player. The other knock on... USC earlier in the years that they weren't battle-tested. They had a weak strength of schedule. Clearly, Notre Dame has been very battle-tested. Clemson, UNC, Syracuse, um, Ohio State, g- gone up in a lot of really big games and have generally hung pretty well. Uh, this will be Notre Dame's sixth opponent that's ranked at time of the game. Early in the year, I think that was a fair criticism of USC. But they're pretty darn battle-tested now. They lost to Utah by one. They beat UCLA by three this last week in a really close game that came down to the wire in a shootout. They beat Oregon State by three early in the year, and at the time that didn't look like that great of a win, but the Beavers are actually ranked now. And so all those teams are legit top 30 in SP+. You know, they've avoided having to play Oregon and Washington just the way pac 12 scheduling's worked out. Um, but somewhat like Notre Dame, they've played down to some of these opponents. They had close games against Arizona and Cal. They've played up and big in, in big games, and because of that, they're they're coming into this game with just the one loss. So I, 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 all of this being said, I think Notre Dame sets up very well. I think some of the knocks on, like, as USC played, that's not fair. This is a really good football team. They are where they are for a reason. They're ranked 14th in SP+. Plus. Um, so again, they're not playing like a top-five squad according to the efficiency metrics, but this is the second best offense in the country. They're at home. And if they win this game, they are in position A to get a fourth spot in the college football playoff. And um, if they, you know, lose this game, it, it really changes the outlook for their season. And so expect, you know, USC to show up with everything they've got w- with a playoff spot on the line and, and Notre Dame looking to play spoiler. But within that, We feel pretty good about the matchups. We feel pretty good that Notre Dame's defense is really balanced across all three levels without a weak spot. We feel like Notre Dame's offense is really well equipped to run ball control, to get that run game going against a leaky, movable front seven for USC. And if we do those things, there's a reason why we're underdogs, but if we do those things, could be a pretty good matchup for Notre Dame to pull off the upset.
1: Definitely. So I'm going to move into score predictions now. I agree with everything you said. I think USC, elite offense, very mediocre defense, but even though their offense is elite, there are a lot of areas that we match, match up with pretty well. And I actually feel pretty good that we should be able to exploit that to some extent. Um, clearly Vegas feels better about it than, than, uh, SP plus does, the advanced stats. Cause, so SP plus uh, we're ten to eleven point underdogs per that, and Vegas is uh, about five points. So Vegas likes us more. I I actually tend to agree with them more there. I'm I'm more along the lines of of uh, how Vegas is thinking about it. I actually, I, and we've tended to show up for games like this on the road, tough opponent. We've been feeling pretty good. The Navy game was a little bit of a you know, a little bit of a sidestep, but generally we've been really coming along the, at, towards the end of the year. And I think this is a game that we're really going to show up. I don't think we're going to have any difficulty. Uh, I don't think Freeman's going to have any difficulty getting the guys nice and motivated for this. So um, even though ESPN has a win predictor of USC 66% of the time, I'm inclined to say that I think Notre Dame pulls out a victory here. I'm not even saying that we're going to beat the spread. I'm saying that we're going to pull out a victory here. And I think we win 37 to 34. Um and honestly like if if we're able to exploit some of these areas that that I think we could I, I could see us I could see us making having another statement game. Maybe maybe that Clemson game has just given me a little too much optimism, but I'm actually feeling pretty good about this. So hopefully I won't hopefully it won't come back to bite me because we have there have been times where I've been feeling pretty good and then we just lay a total egg. Um but overall the way things have been trending, I I I like I like the direction things are going.
0: I've got a really score, a really similar prediction. I wrote down 34-28. Notre Dame wins outright. Uh, Blake Groupie comes up with a couple big field goals and, and we haven't mentioned it. You know, usually special teams doesn't get a lot of coverage in, in football. And with Notre Dame's punt block team, um, they've gotten all sorts of attention from us this year. USC ranks 130th dead last or sorry, second to last in the country, according to pro football focus, but dead last, um, in special teams play. Their kicker is 12 of 18 on the year. Five of his misses have been inside of 40 yards. So he has definitely struggled in special teams and, and really just as a unit, um, overall that their special team struggles. I think that's a big difference in this game. We haven't talked about that's, that's going to come into play. And so overall, um, I've got Notre Dame winning this one 34 28. With that, let's move into our last section on volatility.
1: Remember, You'll never find that blue bird of happiness with too many swallows.
0: Mike and I wanted to spend a segment this week talking about the inconsistency of Notre Dame or what we'll keep referring to as volatility. There's obviously been really big highs and really big lows to this season when you're a three-score favorite not only once but twice at home and you lose to Stanford and Marshall, very humbling on the flip side. I don't think anyone saw the dismantling of Clemson coming, or even in a lot of ways, you know, very controlled, dominant victories against teams like UNC and Syracuse on the road. And so Mike and I have had this view that Notre Dame's got to be the most inconsistent team, both good and bad, in, in both swings in in the country. And so I took a deep dive into the data this week. Um I went through every single FBS game with a spread from Las Vegas and it was the opening line. So one caveat, there's always some variations as, as a game moves, you know, towards kickoff. But the opening spread of what Las Vegas predicted and then the actual scores of the game. So I've got data on 643 games. Been working into the wee hours on this one. Not not really. We actually found all this data where I was able to pull it in Excel pretty quickly. Um, shout out to uh, Chris Wilson at the Rakes Report that actually sent a link to, to this in a Google sheet where, where it all existed. And then what I did is I measured each team's performance against the spread, both in absolute terms and in nominal terms. So if a team was a seven-point favorite and they only won by four, that would be a nominal difference of minus three. They underperformed against what Vegas expected by three points. Um, and then their absolute difference was just the three points. So a couple of Notre Dame examples. Our worst performance was against Marshall. We were a 20-point favorite. And we lost by 5. So that's a nominal value of negative 25. And on the flip side, our best performance was against Clemson. We were 4-point underdogs. We won by 25. So that was actually plus 25 nominal value. So in both Clemson and Marshall, we varied from what Las Vegas expected by 25 points. One of those in the bad direction. One of those in the good direction.
1: So... What about Notre Dame's other games? So we get some we get some other huge variances here too. So Stanford, negative 18 and a half. We underperformed by 18.5 points in nominal terms. Syracuse, plus 19, so we overperformed in nominal terms there. Boston College, not surprising, we completely ran them off the field essentially, so we were plus 23 there. Navy, not one of our better performances. We underperformed negative 14 in nominal terms. UNC, one of our better performances, plus twelve. But there were some close ones too. So Ohio State, we overperformed by six and a half. Cal, negative three and a half. BYU, plus four, and then UNLV, negative one. So let's start with nominal performance. Basically, how have you performed against the spread overall? So Notre Dame is actually, when you when you look at all this, we're actually plus two and a half, which is uh, in the scope of the entire country, thirty-first. Helps when you stink out the gate. So that that's some context we got to mention here is that if you're really bad out of the gate. Vegas is going to, they're going to react and lower expectations. And then, and then you can outperform as you continue to, as you improve. And that's, and that's actually what's happened to us uh, in the last few weeks. So we had big, we kind of lowered expectations. Then we had some big time performances against Syracuse, Clemson and Boston college that exceeded expectations by 19 or more points. And then you throw in UNC and Ohio state where we also exceeded too. So the good overall actually outweighs Marshall, Cal and Stanford. Those games were brutal, but again, we also have to mention that those games lowered what Vegas expected us to do moving forward for the rest of the year
0: now and, and to be clear that that just means you know we outperformed by two and a half points on average in a game versus Vegas right like that's not to say whatever expectation we as fans have or, or the coaches have or, or the players have, but relative to Vegas. You know, we're now six and five against the spread, but net overall have, have outperformed the spread throughout the season. And if you think about other teams who are the best against the spread, no surprise that you're going to see teams that have sort of been the Cinderella's of the season. Duke, Kansas State, TCU, th- those are the top three teams against the spread, outperforming by an average of nine to 10 points per game. Um, really big jump. Um, shout out Mike Alco at Duke, former defensive coordinator. Uh, I know mixed feelings among, among fans, but good to see him doing well. And then some of the worst performers, Miami, NC State, and UVA, interestingly, all in the ACC are all about eight points worse than average. So certainly a lot of other teams that have outperformed more than Notre Dame has against the spread and a lot of teams that have performed much worse were somewhere in the middle of the pack.
1: Definitely. And I think moving to the metric that maybe well, moving to the metric that just tells you more about pure volatility, and that's, that's absolute variance, uh, or absolute, uh, yeah, absolute variance. So our hypothesis was, again, as we mentioned, ND was going to be by far the most volatile team. Um, so our abs- average absolute variance is, uh, is 13.8. So average Notre Dame game, we either won or lost against the spread on average by nearly two touchdowns. To me, that actually seemed quite large, but actually if you run the math for every team, it ranks 36 in terms of absolute performance. Or, what we'll refer to as volatility here. The highest Florida International. Average variance of 23.3 points. They, uh, I'll just give a couple data points here to kind of frame. So, they lost to Western Kentucky by 73 points as a 28.5 point favorite. So, that's, uh, negative. So, that's, uh, 44.5. They also beat New Mexico State by 14 as a 15 point underdog. So, plus 29. And then Charlotte is by 19 as a 14.5 point underdog. So, as you can see here, there's quite a discrepancy between what they've done in terms of their performance and then what Vegas expected to do to do in terms of the spread. And I, I think one thing that we noticed here is that the ten most volatile teams are all group of five, which wasn't once I saw that, that actually made a lot of sense to me. When you look at these a lot of these group of five teams, certainly there are a few that get some more more attention, a team like Cincinnati if they're having a good year, but generally there's just less data, less viewership, more transfers. Vegas just doesn't seem to have quite as good of a, a read on these teams. So, it seems like because of that, they're just maybe not quite as accurate at projecting uh reliable spreads for these teams. But uh even still, Notre Dame is is fourth uh 14th most volatile among group of 5 teams. Uh or actually that would, that would be power 5 teams. Illinois uh they're number 1 with an absolute average variance of 16.7. So, not surprising given how they've uh outperformed expectations this year, but even solid teams like Georgia, Texas, Penn State, uh, Tennessee, they're all above ND uh, in the situation. But I think initial reactions to this data is uh, we have some volatility, but it's really not not even close to what I what I expected it to be.
0: Yeah, and this is where Mike and I put on our um, maybe data manipulation hats. We figured there's got to be a way, right? There's got to be a way to cut the data to show that, that we're more inconsistent. And so then what we said is of teams with a lot of volatility – how many of them have had that volatility in both directions, right? Big swings, both good and bad. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that might have way outperformed multiple times throughout the season, or way underperformed multiple times throughout the season, and that's really driving whatever their absolute variance is. But how many other teams have had these huge swings, like Notre Dame, um, both good, Clemson, Navy, Boston College, Syracuse? But or Sorry, uh, not Navy, but Clemson, Syracuse, Boston College, and also really bad, Marshall, Stanford, Navy, where we haven't covered by a pretty big margin. And so what we did was we took the number of games where the outcome was more than 14 points, where you were more than two touchdowns of a variance against the spread, and we were tied for third highest in the country uh, with six such games. Only FIU and Penn State. Have had more games with that big of um, swings, and in that Notre Dame has three good swings again: Boston College, Clemson, Syracuse, and three bad swings: Marshall, Stanford, and Navy. And only five other teams have at least three games each with um, um, each with three good, you know, swings in their direction and three bad swings in their direction. Those teams are FIU, Eastern Michigan. Minnesota, North Texas, and Hawaii. And so one of the things that stood out is Notre Dame as a roller coaster for a fan this year. We see it, we live it so much that we feel those highs and lows of this season. We're not alone. Now that's not common, right? We're talking about five or six teams that have had the same degree of highs to the same degree of lows that we have. And I think certainly when you're a ranked team and you're on national television and it gets magnified in ESPN, it just feels bigger. And Notre Dame is certainly in a rare group that that has had that volatility this year, Um, any way you look at it. But it's not some historically uncommon thing for teams to go through massive upsets in both directions. Um, Notre Dame, thankfully, has had games like Clemson to really salvage the season and and make us feel good going into the offseason and hold recruiting together and all of those things. But I think one of the big takeaways is this Notre Dame team is very inconsistent, for sure. That's not a surprise to anyone. Inconsistent, good and bad. But it is not some historical anomaly of a season. Even within this own college football season, it's not a historical anomaly compared to volatility that other teams have experienced.
1: Definitely. And I think that was our, our impression going into this. I think we expected to find some sort of big historical trend. It's like, like wow, Notre Dame has... Uh, you know, the, how n- not many teams have really just underperformed and overperformed so drastically, giving you a really high absolute variance. And we certainly have, in terms of the power five, we're on the higher end in terms of variance, but it's still, it's definitely nowhere even close to that historical level. I was very surprised that teams like Georgia actually have, actually have more volatility than us. Um, so the, there are a few things like that in there that were surprising to me. I will say, I thought the data point on, what we defined is like a, what we defined is like a bigger swing. We have, we have more of those. We tend to have more of those than most teams, although it's still, it's not like anything historical. But my, one takeaway for me is that we are very consistent at being inconsistent. And that's been a general theme throughout <laughs> this year. <laughs> um, but overall, yeah, definitely less consistent than I would have thought. And I think, I think there are maybe some reasons it seems worse than it is. One is that each game we've, kind of, it seems to, even though maybe this, the absolute swings are not maybe as massive as some of these other teams have had, but each game there's a pretty big swing. It's not every game, but a lot of games are a pretty big swing. So you kind of remember that that sticks with you. And then under Kelly, we were remarkably stable. It didn't seem like we had as many of these. So. We had the longest win streak against unwrecked opponents in the country, and we tended to beat the teams that we should. Occasionally, we would have a bad game here or there, but it felt like generally there weren't too many shocking moments. There were just a couple. One would be—one that comes to mind was when we lost to Miami. I think that what was that, in 2015 or 2017? I think it's 2017, actually, when they just totally blew us off the field, and then we had another game where we lost to Michigan big time, so— they te- There are only a couple of those that I really remember where it seemed like they were, they were huge outliers. But I think the fact that things were very stable under Kelly kind of makes this seem worse than it actually is.
0: For sure. I think this data provides really good context that with a first-year head coach, with a new starting quarterback who started the year as a backup, with, with a lot of roster turnover at wide receiver and running back, um, this is going to happen. And I think with – Five straight 10 plus win seasons. I think Notre Dame fans probably got a little comfortable that it's just always going to happen that way. And it's a reminder that college football is a sport with a lot of chaos. And we've fortunately avoided a lot of that. And it feels like 2022 is the, you know, chaos monster coming back to really remind us what this sport is all about. And it's okay. We're not alone. There's other programs go through this. There's other programs going through it this year and it's part of the sport and it's part of what makes it awesome. So I thought this data provided really nice context to say, okay, inconsistent season, but we're okay. It's, it's part of what college football is and, and Notre Dame will, you know, live and build and, and move on from here. So with that, that's a wrap for our show. Gyrish be Trojans. Gyrish be Trojans.